when you talk about transportation, I think people are interested because that's how they you know, live and work and get around and take their kids to school and um, get anywhere, whether it's for travel or just that daily commute. That's Laura Douglas, a spokesperson for the Arizona Department of Transportation. Many of our listeners feel the same way about their transportation and highways. We have answered street questions in the past, including how highways segregated the valley and why downtown streets are named after U.S. presidents. Welcome to Valley 101, a podcast from the Arizona Republic and azcentral.com, where we answer the questions you ask about Metro Phoenix. I'm your host, Kayla White. In today's episode, we're answering three highway-related questions. We'll take a brief dive into the history of Arizona toll roads, a look to the future of Interstate 11, and then at how Loop 202 South Mountain Freeway has impacted the valley. Maritza, take it away. Valley 101 listener Jeremy Taylor asked, are there any toll roads in Arizona? And if not, why isn't there? I asked this question to ADOT. Here's Laura again. But no, there's no toll roads here in Arizona as of yet. Currently, there are no toll roads. However, they did exist during the territorial era of the state. I spoke with Phil Vandermeer, a retired professor of history from Arizona State University. Uh, one of the first acts um, in 1863 and 64 is for the territorial government to begin um, creating some uh, funding for uh, roads and to authorize toll roads. Uh, toll roads were basically a way of trying to create roads when you didn't have any money to do it. And it was an old uh, strategy. It was a strategy that was used in the East, and as Arizona grew, they followed those road plans. According to an ADOT Transportation History report, Arizona's legislature didn't want to finance the construction of public roads, but allowed private road development. In 1863, there are five roads, toll roads, that are empowered to be organized. I don't know how many of those are built. Four of the five are out of Prescott, which of course was the territorial capital then, so it made sense. One of those toll roads stood out. The Mojave and Prescott Toll Road, also known as the Hardyville Road. It was a 161-mile toll road that went from Prescott north to Fort Mojave near the Nevada border. Here's how the ADOT document described the road's operation in 1865. A wagon pulled by two draft animals was charged $2.42 to travel the road, while a horse and rider were charged $1.21. Native Americans and anyone traveling by foot were granted free passage on the road. Um, quite quickly, though, the territory allows counties um, to, to take over um, management of this, and it allows it in 1864 um, to uh, authorize additional toll roads and to be able to purchase those roads um, if and when they actually came up with sufficient capital. While the history of Arizona territorial toll roads in the 1800s is interesting, toll roads do not exist in Arizona today. But if Arizonans wanted toll roads, where would that all begin? It's up to, it really starts with elected officials in terms of um, 
how, a, you know, if, if a toll road would become a reality in Arizona and where it would be designated for which highway. So it really does start with elected officials. Um, and, you know, it, it would be discussions held with ADOT leadership. A different ADOT official clarified in an email that state law does allow ADOT to consider private and public partnerships that include toll roads. However, they did say no toll roads are being considered at the moment. And fun fact, toll roads in Arizona are so unpopular with drivers that in 2016, voters tried to ban the development of them with a ballot measure. The proposal failed to receive enough signatures by the deadline to make it onto the 2016 election ballot. That rounds out the answer to our first question. The next question is from Sean Scallon. He wanted to know more about the proposed Interstate 11. Interstate 11 is expected to connect Nogales north to Nevada. To do this, I-11 is broken up into two parts. Here's Laura Douglas with ADOT again. Uh, right now it's a tier one environmental study and we're looking at a corridor from Nogales to Wickenburg, which is about 280 miles. Currently, that section of I-11 is under the first round of an environmental study that started in 2016. And we are set to wrap it up this year. So it's taken us about five years um, for that huge corridor. And at the end of all of this, uh, what we will have is either a build corridor alternative or a no build option, which means nothing would be done. The study looks at how a future highway would impact the surrounding area. During the first round, in 2019, public comment was taken into consideration through in-person meetings and online submissions. And that is critical to how we move forward with our final Tier 1 environmental impact statement. Um, listening to every single comment that comes in, reading it, um, evaluating it, looking at the comments and questions and addressing those. And that's going to be something that will be part of our document that's released this summer. Um, so that's public involvement is critical to the process, whether it's I-11 or any transportation project. We have to have public involvement and public comment because that's where we hear what's of importance and concern to our communities. After receiving all those comments and concerns, ADOT went back to the drawing board to take into consideration the issues presented by the surrounding communities. This summer, they'll present their final version of the Tier 1 environmental study and once again ask for public comment. Then ADOT, with the Federal Highway Administration, will review the document and comments and submit a record of decision. So right now we're looking at build and no build, but by the time this study is done, it will have build or no build. But even if ADOT and Federal Highway Administration decided to go with the build option, a second environmental study will still need to be done. And tier two environmental studies look further into narrowing down that corridor, where would, it, where would a route specifically go? Um, and those are studies that would take place in the future uh, once we have the funding available for those for those studies. The proposed route from Nogales to Wickenburg is going to take years. Laura told me that folks who are worried about their property potentially being impacted by Interstate 11 don't need to worry at this moment. Because a corridor isn't, the, isn't even a final definition of where I-11 would go. It's a starting point. 
This section of I-11 would run west of Tucson up to Maricopa into Buckeye and then connect to the second section of the proposed I-11 into Wickenburg. The second part of I-11 is really that US-93 corridor from Wickenburg north to uh, the Hoover Dam bypass bridge. This section of US-93 is already called the future I-11. If you've driven to Las Vegas within the last few years, you may have seen these signs. This section of the interstate is a priority for the department. Before US-93 can become Interstate 11, it needs to meet certain standards. And what we've done is we're really um, focused on widening US-93 as it is now. We've done a lot of work over the past 20 years um, and more than um, half a billion dollars worth of work to widen US-93 all that way um, to a four-lane divided highway. Not only will it have the widened lanes, but new interchanges and access points will be added. It will then connect to I-11 in southern Nevada. You might be thinking, why is there such a strong push to develop an interstate that runs almost parallel to I-10? Here's how Laura described the potential impacts of Interstate 11. You've got that connection to major markets, so you're going to be not only connecting to Vegas, but you also have the opportunity to create um, better opportunities and commerce travel um, to areas in California, areas in Texas. Officials also have hopes that I-11 will serve as an interstate that will connect the southern border to the northern border of the United States. But this will be many years in the making, with environmental studies still in the work and funding up in the air. And we really just look to, you know, what we can prioritize and what we can fund as an agency, um, and we go from there. So it's really hard to say specifically when this will all be complete border to border. Now to our final question of this episode about Loop 202 South Mountain Freeway. One listener wanted to know why the freeway runs through Pecos Road. To dive into this question, I spoke with Eric Anderson, the executive director of the Maricopa Association of Governments, also known as MAGS. South Mountain has been uh, on MAGS, uh, part of our MAGS long-range transportation plan since, since the mid-1980s. Um, and it was designed to connect the southeast part of the valley to the southwest part of the valley. Due to the lack of funds in the 80s and changes to regional sales tax, the South Mountain Freeway was put on hold. Also, a quick callback to our first question about toll roads. Eric told me that Governor Fife Symington proposed making the South Mountain Freeway a toll road. But that didn't happen. And so uh, the environmental impact statement for South Mountain was actually started in 2001, uh, July of 2001. I was actually in the room when the, when the process started. Um, and uh, so, and it wasn't completed until, uh, I want to say like 2015. Um, and it went through a lot of twists and turns. It took nearly 20 years from the start of the project to when they broke ground on Loop 202 South Mountain. Eric told me that the departments looked at various alternative routes on the freeway. And so um, I, I don't recall how many different alternatives were looked at, but there were 
uh, tens, uh, maybe even uh, hundreds of different alternatives that were looked at. Um, and Pecos Road was, uh, came back as the preferred alternative. The freeway also faced a legal battle from the Gila River Indian community. But uh, at the end of the day, the Gila River Indian community uh, actually uh, sued ADOT in, in federal court uh, to get the, the project stopped. Um, they lost in the, in the uh, district court here in, in Phoenix, and then that was appealed to the district, uh, uh, district nine in San Francisco. Uh, and they also lost there. And so the freeway was, was actually built. The legal battle put the project on hold for a time. Eric told me Mag's relationship with the Gila River Indian community has since been repaired. Loop 202 Freeway was a controversial project that cost $1.8 billion. The funding came through grants and regional sales tax. I asked Eric how the freeway has impacted the Southwest Valley. It's doing what we thought it was going to do, and that's connecting the southeast and the southwest part of the valley. Uh, when the facility opened, um, we saw a tremendous uh, reduction in congestion levels on I-10 um, in the order, I, I can't recall right now, but it was in the order of 10 to 20 percent, so which is significant. There you have it, Kayla. Three questions from our listeners answered on the podcast. I'd have to say we get more questions about transportation than any others. Absolutely. Well, listeners, that's it for today. If you've got more history or highway-related questions, make sure to submit them to our team at valley101.azcentral.com. And if you're a regular listener of our show, please consider supporting it by subscribing to azcentral.com. And as always, thank you for listening to Valley 101. Also, if you're a fan of Arizona politics, be sure to check out The Gaggle, our sister podcast that breaks down local issues and helps you keep up with the state's political news. All right, see you next week.